once again, it's wonderful to see everyone filing in as the names line up and sweet notes people are sending also. Uh, several people have made comments about uh, my, uh, my shirt <laughs> before we start. Now, I like the uh, spring cherry blossoms. This is exactly when they would be blooming in Japan. Um, the color for um, mourning, you know, in uh, the West is, is black, but in Japan, it's white. So it's a good, it's a good combination, I think, for, for today and for our time. <clears throat> it's uh, time for us to begin, so I will ring the bell to uh, allow us to sit together in our cloud zendo for just five minutes to settle. Uh, appreciating the, um, the energy that's arriving as everyone does arrive. You know, in Japanese Zen, the word seshen or seshin, some people say, is the, the name for um, an intensive retreat in a Zen temple or monastery. And one of the translations of that Japanese word, seshin, is to collect the mind, uh, heart and mind, to collect the heart, to collect the mind. And it's what I, I think of when I watch um, the numbers of the participants um, mount up as we arrive, who are collecting ourselves uh, to be together. So here's the bell. So I hope that wherever you are, you'll take a moment to sit in some upright, uh, attentive way. It's not just waiting until the bell rings again. It's an active offering of yourself to the moment. You don't have to engage in anything particular other than a sense of presence. And it's a small ceremony to honor your own Buddha nature, which we'll speak about today for just a few moments.
as we continue to sit together for just a few more minutes. I hope that you'll appreciate with just your gentle attention, your own breath. Having moved through what we've moved through with my mom and my sister and my dad this past week, attention to subtleties of breathing has taken on a new kind of meaning and immediacy, a new kind of intimacy. So please appreciate your own breath without manipulating it. Just rest in it and with it. Appreciating that you have breath. Something so difficult for COVID patients around also. But just simply sitting with your own rhythm of your own breath. And if you'll chant uh, along with me in your own space. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. <clears throat> For those of you that might not be so familiar with 
the verse of the robe that we chant in the beginning of inquiry, um, our repetitive chanting, which we do, may help you um, learn it and be more familiar with it. And maybe it will unfold a bit of its meaning for you uh, as we go forward. I did want to say that <clears throat> uh, this beautiful little bell that you hear, um, I don't know if you'll be able to see because it's a little difficult, but you can maybe see that there's an engraving on it. <clears throat> and the engraving um, is for Aaron's father, Bud Curtis, who died in uh, April 15th of 2011. So <clears throat> I'd had this made for Aaron. And so when we ring it, it's another uh, reminder of a beloved father who's gone or all the beloveds that we that we miss. In my reflection today, I thought um, uh, I like to open the gates wider than just my particular experience, but I also can't avoid it. So I thought we'd I'd bring it together. And once again, um, in conversations with um, our head student in, in England, uh, Trudy Johnston, she was reminding me of uh, a teaching that I had offered in a retreat there in the UK a number of years ago. I believe the Sangha was listening to one of my Dharma talks, which apparently they do. And in it, I was speaking about an old story. Um, about a clay Buddha and a golden Buddha and a wooden Buddha. And then she offered a, a poem that both links that old story and what we're speaking about these days in terms of, of loss and life. And so just to repeat, so you, you get the story and hopefully this will call forward some, some questions for yourself in your own practice maybe. <clears throat> the, the, the bit, the sort of koan or the, the story uh, is in three statements. A clay Buddha cannot pass through water. A gold Buddha cannot pass through a furnace. A wooden Buddha cannot pass through fire. So we'll just take a moment to open those up just a bit. A clay Buddha cannot pass through water. You know, um, a clay Buddha, it seemed, it'd be kind of ordinary and also really fragile. Um, and sometimes we're so preoccupied with the ground of our vulnerable being, uh, our nature as clay. The clay Buddha forgets that she's a Buddha, being so worried about being clay. You know, even you might think, well, oh, if only I was made of, and then you have your list of the better qualities and other ways that you could come into the world instead of being ordinary dirt and clay. But this kind of acceptance of our vulnerability and our impermanence opens us to a reality that is held by a profound acceptance rather than some perfection. We're always hoping for a better, a better way. A clay Buddha cannot pass through water, but uh, a Buddha nonetheless. 
The second one, a gold Buddha cannot pass through a furnace. You know, sometimes we have these realizations. We have moments of opening, uh, relief of our burdens, uh, some sort of sanity, sobriety, clarity that comes. And we think, ah, I'm golden. <laughs> um, we realize our, our nature as, as golden. But we also begin to realize that our nature isn't, or that nature isn't permanent. And the grasping to be always a golden or, or always somehow perfected betrays the real um, essence of our realization. Only when we stop fleeing our impermanence and vulnerability do we realize Buddhahood, or our fullness, our wholeness. So instead of being permanently trapped in clay, we want to be permanently enshrined in gold. But we have to let our gold be melted down in practice, back into the furnace. And what emerges then? Because there'll be moments of the furnace of our life, whether it's a, a pandemic, whether it's the loss of a parent, um, the loss of our livelihood, uh, all challenges that are, that are ongoing in which our gold seems to melt. The third statement, a wooden Buddha cannot pass through a fire. So we remember and come back to the fact that we're vulnerable after all, and, but wood is a perfectly good material to carve out a Buddha. And carving is a nice um, image of what it's like to practice and take shape. And our Buddhahood becomes uh, more visible. If we're clay Buddha, we don't think we'll end up being made out of wood. We wish for something more enduring or more glamorous. But Buddhas are actually made out of ordinary materials, uh, out of an ordinary life, like wood, and it's a perfectly fine quality. I won't repeat it today, but if you're interested, please go to the poem by David White, Faces at Braga, B-R-A-G-A. It's a lovely poem of his going to visit Buddhas carved out of wood in, in Tibet. There's a whole story to it, but it's quite beautiful. You might want to see it. A clay Buddha cannot pass through water. We're vulnerable, dissolvable, going back into our source, which is water. A gold Buddha cannot pass through a furnace. There'll be tests in life that will melt even our most beautiful realizations and our greatest capacities. And a wooden Buddha cannot pass through fire. In the end, we'll all be burned, completed, brought back to ash. But wood is a perfectly good material to carve out our life. And then passing away is another struggle. I was talking to Suzanne Kilkus, so many of you have met online, who was helping lead our uh, retreat, which was uh, sponsored by the Open Doors Zen community in, in Madison. And Suzanne was talking to me about being with her mom as she died. And even in a, a time when she thought her mom was not, no longer lucid, 
she said, I don't remember exactly, but she said something like, she mentioned to Suzanne how hard it was to die. And she said, you know, maybe harder to die than it is to be born. And there are moments when it might, might feel like that. But we have to come back into our earthly, everyday, fleshy understanding of what it's like to be here and then to be gone. So with these three statements and the teachings that come from them, this is the, the poem that Trudy sent me uh, a few days ago in reflecting on these teachings. <clears throat> Let's see, maybe I'll, uh, I'll read it, but I might share my screen in a bit so you can take a look at it. We can look at it a second time, but first just listen. A clay Buddha cannot withstand the rushing flow of water returning to earth. A golden Buddha cannot hold itself whole within the searing heat of a furnace. A wooden Buddha burns to ash in a fire, becoming one with the embers. A flesh Buddha withstands life until it doesn't. Tempered in the black river of loss, which is in quotations, seared in the furnace of desire and heartbreak and burned endlessly, burned by dissatisfaction. Finding where it can bend, break, heal, continue until finally consumed by being alive. A flesh Buddha is made sacred by the act of living in a body that cannot ultimately withstand its own impermanence. So let me share that so you can see it. Um, I'm not going to share my screen. Apparently, I'm not going to be able to do it because I've um, I've got a new computer and I didn't set the preferences properly. So I will read it one more time. I'm sorry about the pause. So you can just hear it again, <clears throat> and I'll I'll send it to you. But a clay Buddha cannot withstand the rushing flow of water returning to earth. A golden Buddha cannot hold itself whole within the searing heat of a furnace. A wooden Buddha burns to ashes in a fire, becoming one with the embers. The flesh Buddha withstands life until it doesn't. Tempered in the black river of loss, seared in the furnace of desire and heartbreak, and burned, endlessly burned by dissatisfaction, finding where it can bend, break, heal, continue, until finally consumed by being alive. 
A flesh Buddha is made sacred by the act of living in a body that cannot ultimately withstand its own impermanence. And reading the poem, I was so um, taken by the, the, its beauty and the settling into the sense of fleshiness and what it means to what Dogen said, to offer a body and to give up a body. And I also want to add, if you don't mind, there's a, um, a phrase in quotation, the Black River of Loss, which Trudy's taken from a Mary Oliver poem, as some of you are familiar with, many of you in Blackwater Woods. And I'll read that poem once also, just to echo what's in the middle of her poem, because it, it's, it's a beautiful echo and speaks to the, I would say the inconceivable aspect of this whole thing. And as Mary Oliver Wood uh, offers us a vision from nature of the, of the inconceivable uh, nature of things. She says, look, the trees are turning their bodies into pillars of light, are giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment the long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I've ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the Black River of loss whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, you must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when it's time, when the time comes, to let it go, to let it go. the fires and black rivers of loss, whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go. But these, um, these teachings about the clay Buddha and the gold Buddha and the wooden Buddha, all Buddhas, our nature is always a Buddha, whether we think we're lowly clay and too fragile or golden and think we're better or if we're just ordinary shaping ourselves as wood. We come back to the fleshiness our nature as a fleshy, human, embodied Buddha. <clears throat> and hopefully we can love each other in that mortal state and hold each other 
even though we can't touch <laughs> these days so much, but hold our love for each other down to our bones, knowing our life depends on it. Our life depends on each other. And when it comes time to let it go, to let it go. So these are the things I, I offer for your reflection today. And uh, please, um, if you would, if you look at the bottom of your screen, you'll see the little hand you can raise if you'd like to connect. I've received more beautiful notes of condolence and care and love and generosity from people all around the world. So I, I certainly don't want to spend our time simply with another list of condolences, although you might, you might offer them if that's part of what's in your heart, but uh, I would love to actually speak to you about what's most true, uh, what's most real for now. I see we have one hand raised, so we'll begin. Oh, hello. There she is. Hi. Hi there. Um, Behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put this out here. I hope I can be seen. There we go. I didn't really expect I'd be called. Well, first there you of all, first off, yeah. I, I just found out today about your father. Ah. And I do want to start out with that. I, I um, just, just, just sending you love. Thank you. And, you know, I, I remember that you weren't able to see him, and I and I know how deeply you regret that. I just yeah. I'm sending you love. That's all I can say. And I'll say just for the larger group, two things. One, in saying that to me, Sarah, you're also saying it to my sister and mother who are online. Okay. So they'll hear you. And uh, that I was able through this medium to be there. Oh, good. I couldn't touch. The laptop was at the end of the bed on a table and they were there. He was there and for several hours. We were through the whole process. So it was oh, I'm so like glad. surprisingly intimate, even though I couldn't be there in the body. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. So everyone understands that context. too. Good, good, good. Because that does matter. Yeah. Okay. And how are you? Oh, I'm pretty raw. Yeah. You have a beautiful flower on your head. I do, don't I? I didn't even realize that was still up. Um, I was playing with it last night. It's a photo I took of a cactus on a walk the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've never seen this done. Uh, this is the first one I've tuned into, but I've been to the inquiries, you know, in Austin. Uh, so um, this is a little bit different. Um, we're in these two chairs facing each other. <laughs> um, so I'm continuing to get closer to um, Excuse me. <clears throat> my, uh, you know, that the idea that I will be passing, that I'll be dying. And 
it's not a given yet. All the stones have not been turned over. So um, there's that. And um, I um, am just trying to I, I'm, I am, I feel like the uh, gold Buddha right now. Mm -hmm. That was a perfect description of where I am. Mm -hmm. It was perfect. You know, it's, it's, I'm kind of getting, um, unfortunately, I think to some degree, I'm adding suffering to my suffering. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, and it could just be in some ways a life review and it needs to be done and I'm coming out of it. I'll come out of it at some point. I, I think all of this has been, been a um, transformation and I know it is, but this is a real tough part. And uh, right now I'm taking this illness personally. Mm. You know, and there's a part of me that knows better. But, but one of the things about this particular cancer is it's supposed to be really difficult. Mm -hmm. Difficult it, at it, physically. What's that? Physically painful, challenging. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, that obviously I'm really scared. Yeah. And I'm taking it personally mm -hmm. that uh, I'm being perhaps, I don't know, but given a hard death. Yeah. And, uh, that's the part you're, you don't know, but you're, you're saying you're adding. I no, I do. I have been told that I have been told that. Yeah. And so what I'm doing with that is making it about me uh -huh. and Taking it personally. <laughs> a necessary, necessary part to go through, isn't it? And and by the oh. way, it's okay to cuss. Oh, good. Did I cuss? <laughs> I know you. You do know me. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. It'll probably come in there. Uh, so I'm sitting with that. And... Uh, um. I've had had a few, I'm going to snot all up over the place and I don't have a Kleenex. I'll be right back. I can hand you one. I do too. I've had a few days of wanting to come out of my skin, you know, I don't know what to do with that. And I have been meditating. Somebody else's skin. What's that? Hold on to someone else's skin. Oh, okay. That's part of it. And the other part is you might have to just throw a fit. <laughs> you see me throw those, haven't you? <laughs> well, you know, I think sometimes a fit's appropriate in situations like this. And, and it's like, you know, when you have a little child and they're screaming and say they hate you and they're kicking and biting and you know, you hold them really super close and they keep saying they hate you until they don't and they collapse into the tears it's kind of like that I, you know Flint I don't know who to do that with 
Well, I don't really want to inflict that on my husband. That's right. Well, in a way, you're letting us hold you right now. It's not quite the same, I know. And you're not throwing a complete fit, but at least you're letting us know. <laughs> and you might do it on your own. You might go out in nature and stomp around and throw things, but it's okay. If this is, at that level, this is personal. And you know you can't stay there. You said a part of you understands that, but it's not wrong. It's just a piece you gotta, you have to face. It's not what you want. Well, yeah, I'm looking for a way out of it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a way through it. I have no idea what that would look like. Letting yourself feel exactly how you feel and think what you think and letting yourself move through it because what's, what I'm offering you is a reminder of the faith that it will move and change, that it won't stay. If you go deeply okay. into it, you're not going to be stuck there. Do it. Okay. Just like each of the, the clay Buddha can't withstand the water and the gold Buddha in the furnace, this is the furnace. Yep. And what's going to happen is it's got to melt. But the Buddhahood doesn't go anywhere, just the form. You know, I, I feel right now, I, I looked up the word humble or humility, humble. And it's the origin is something to do with going back to the earth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, humus. And, and that's how I feel right now. I feel incredibly humbled. Yep. In the face of the great mystery. And, and in the face of, I, I think, to some degree, my spiritual arrogance, you know, I'm just punishing myself. Well, you do that as long as you need, but you can let it go whenever you're ready. <laughs> I think that another, a softer version of what you're saying is you're going to feel your regrets because that's part of grief. Mm. You're going to feel your resentments. You're going to feel your regrets. You're going to feel your appreciations. Those three yeah. pieces. And that's, that will move like a, like a braid. You know, when we used to make those little things with three... You know, yeah, yeah. Resentments and regrets and appreciations makes the final strand, you know. So far, not many resentments, thank God. Except that it's personal. Except that it's personal. <laughs> it's yeah, awesome. that's right. I guess I do feel that. Mm -hmm. But the regrets are what's coming up right now. The regrets are what's coming up right now. Fully, because that's the only way to get through it. I don't mean hurt yourself, but let it yeah. move. Okay. You, know, you know, like when the, the river dams up against a bridge because all the stuff gets clogged. You want to leap, let it move. Okay. Okay. And then if we need to talk more, we'll talk more, you know? Okay. Okay. Okay, good. Well, I've been, the good thing I've been doing is I've been going out in the yard, weeding, and yep. bought some plants, and I've been putting them in the ground and watering them every day and filling up the bird baths. And, just trying to be, that's my little piece of nature right now. Good, good. Get back into the dirt. Humus. Get in the dirt. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, any ideas about what to do with this fear? What? What do you do for a kid who's afraid? I mean, it's not. There's nothing fancy about it. You need some <laughs> some condolences. You know, you need somebody to help you. You say, "I'm afraid," and and someone to not talk you out of it. Not say, "Oh, don't be afraid." To say, "I know." Hang on. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm trying to talk myself out of it, thinking. How's, how's that going for you? <laughs> it, it, doesn't, it doesn't go too well. <laughs> no, no. You gotta, you're saying it now to you know almost 80 people. You're saying, I'm afraid. And all of them are going, I know, I can see. I'm, I, wish, I wish it could be taken from you. We can't. What we can do is hold the fear with you. We can be a larger container for your fear. Yeah. Yeah. To so take our love with you. As yeah. all it's like a mass of golden Buddhas coming to you. <laughs> imagine that. Okay. Okay. Your I love you. Imagine all <laughs> love you. <too. laughs> okay. Bye for yes. <clears throat> Hello. Hey, Penny. We got Hello. you. Oh, good. I'm actually live. Huh? Yes, you are. Well, um, I know we just spoke yesterday, so um, it's good to be back today. But when you were talking about the um, the beautiful clay Buddha and the golden Buddha and the wooden Buddha, of course, what came to my mind immediately was the Dharma wheel and uh, how it's turning right now at every second. and. Uh, Right before I got on this call, I learned that the man who had built my little house in New Braunfels uh, had passed away. It's the house and, you're in right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was such an incredible, lovely friend. He was one of those people, like every Christmas, he would send me a little poem he'd made. And he was just a, a con director, you know. I mean, I didn't know him in any other way but he had a beautiful little spirit and um you know i know it's he was only 62 and that's a loss to his mm -hmm. family great loss and uh but to each of us that he touched yeah so you know it's it's it is the turning of the wheel you know it just yeah. continually is turning and and it's darkness and it's light and um I also wanted to just mention to everyone um, that there are beautiful new signs of life around my house, little baby wrens and baby titmouse and baby birds all coming to feed and have water. And they're unaware of the dangers lurking about and just flying about and bringing joy to each of us. And 
remember innocence these days, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. One thing I suggest is go into your archives and look at the David White poem, House of Belonging. Okay. Um, After this, so you can uh, remember your beautiful little New Braunfels house and the man who built it for you. Oh, that's beautiful, Blant. Thank you. What was his name? Sam Hoffman. All right, Sam. And and this is one of the things he did when, you know, I had a corgi named Sam (laughs) and um, at that time. And so when I finished the house and he opened the door for me to, you know, walk in, he had built a dog house uh, for Sam that Mm -hmm. had a Zen copper roof on it. In other words, that looked like a temple roof, mm-hmm. and he had made it all out of copper, and it was the most precious. How generous, thing. yeah. And he had just made that because he knew how much I loved my little dog, and yeah. that's the kind of person he was. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Well, I don't want to take up any more time. I want to share this, so. Well, enjoy the little birds. I will. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Clint. Uh, John. Hi. I haven't seen you in a while. It has been a while. Uh, for one reason, or another, different reasons. It's been too hard for me to get down to 38th Street and do inquiry. But sure. uh, this this has made it easy, so I'm glad for this opportunity. Yeah. Um, sorry, my face is in shadow. Anyway, um, I know you won't judge me for that. All right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, previous lady was talking about fear. I had something surprised me about a week ago because I've always thought in my head that I was not uh, afraid of death. But right about bedtime, this sudden strong fear of getting sick and then dying. And that surprised me. And then I started feeling that same thing again today, just during the meditation, as I was kind of opening up maybe my mind and my feelings. I thought, oh, God, there's that terror. It's still there. And it's important to me to manage it because it reminds me of the terror I felt 15 or 20 years ago when I was suicidal. I don't want to go back to feeling suicidal. And so I'll be wanting to talk to my therapist about that, how to manage those feelings. But if you have any suggestions, I'd appreciate those too. Any suggestions about the fear that's arising for, about death? Yeah, about the fear or how to manage it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about suggestions. One thing that came to mind right away is that you're awash in it right now, John. When every single day on the news, we, what we all we hear is how many people have died. Yes. How vulnerable we all are and how there's for all, any of us who have a, a vulnerability around this fear that you're talking about, mm-hmm. it's like the perfect storm because there's an invisible thing that can visit you that you don't even know is coming and suddenly you're sick and you could die. Mm-hmm. It, it feeds mm-hmm. that kind of, so I just want you to be gentle with yourself knowing that you're surrounded by this right now. And of course it would call these old vulnerabilities back. Mm-hmm. What's important to have next door to them all vulnerabilities come back, but all the ways that you've practiced and all the ways you've taken good care of yourself and all the good 
work that you've done on yourself over the years. Set that right next to it. You don't have to push away the fear, but say, oh, here's fear, but here's what can meet it. Here's my own Buddha nature, my own stability, my own care. It doesn't make it go away, but it helps meet it in a different way. I don't know if you can see, but I'm moved to tears. Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't understand you. I am moved to tears. Yeah. Then it touches something. Yes. Let yourself, this is another piece that apparently you need is to feel understood and cared for. Okay. Yeah, those things matter when you're afraid. Just like when Sarah was talking, when you feel seen and heard and understood and cared for, it touches those places of fear. So often the fear is when we um, uh, find ourselves being very alone, cut off. And these mm -hmm. a lot of how we are. So you're mm -hmm. reaching out and you're connecting like this was really a wise step for you. I'm glad you did. Well, thank you. I appreciate your support. Yeah, take, take our love with you. And all the people that are witnessing and supporting and caring for you. And, and remember my words and my face and this connection. Take it, take it right in, okay? Mm. All right. Thanks, John. Mm, thank you. I'm finished now. Okay. If there's anyone else that would like to raise their hand, you can. As always, um, in between, it's wonderful just to sit, enjoy the spaciousness, quiet, the presence. Suddenly there's a flurry of raised hands. We, we may not get to everybody, but we'll do our best. Just attending to your own breathing. Bridget. Hi, Flint. It's so good to see you. My deepest condolences for your loss. 
And of course, the last time I was in query, in, at, saw an inquiry with you is when we were together at the retreat and I was observing Sarah uh, have her inquiry with you there. And so we were all within a short distance of one another. So I could um, reach over and touch us. <laughs> yeah. So, but this is, a, you know, a good alternative. Um, my, my fears are different. And that is that um, I had met someone a few weeks before I came to the, the um, um, retreat in New Mexico. And then afterwards, we continued to text and correspond because everyone was sheltering at home. And then since neither of us had done anything other than go to the grocery store, or pick up something at the pharmacy, then we decided we could see each other for supper. And, and I guess I'm I have the joyous, happy feeling of feeling like I'm falling in love again, but this time I'm terribly afraid. And it's all this feeling of just the fragility of feeling my feelings. And it's, uh, it's, it's exhilarating, but scary. And I thought you could comment on that because whatever, whatever form Buddha takes, it seems to offer me chances to be really hold both happiness and sadness at the same time. Uh, I don't know if it's sadness. I think it's the, the uh, thrill of standing on the edge. Well, it certainly feels like that. When yeah. You walk, when you walk up to the edge again. Right. You know, you've had a couple of uh, Im important enduring relationships and you've lost a husband to death. And so you know, you know, yeah. what you're, you know what you're getting into. Right. One of the things that most people don't appreciate because it sounds harsh to say it, but it's important is that all relationships are terminal. Right. By definition. Correct. The bad news, that's the poignant, beautiful, beautiful news of appreciate every moment that we have. And so for you to open your heart again to someone and feel connected is that joyous energy, but that flood also brings the vulnerability and the shakiness. If, if I was to put you in the laboratory and hook you up to machines that would measure your physiology, right. the excitement and the fear would register the same. Oh, okay. What you do up here. Of yeah. course you're gonna be afraid. You're old enough and have been around the block enough to know you should be afraid. <laughs> but not <laughs> Not because it's terrible, just because, wow, this is real. Yeah. And we're fleshy Buddhas and this is how it's going to go. And let that just move right on back into excitement and maybe back into fear and bring that energy into the relationship. Don't keep it out of the relationship so you get all fixed up and go back. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is what I was talking to my sister about before inquiry today because I was putting together my notes and I also looked at a picture of my dad that I thought about sharing, which I can't now online, but, um, and it made me weep. And so I thought, well, maybe I should talk to Kathy before, you know, to kind of get myself back together enough to do this. Right. And she reminded me, she said, no, the vulnerability and emotion is fine. People will appreciate it, you know? So. so. Well, as always, I appreciate your words of wisdom, and I know you and... Even the shaky, fearful parts. 
<laughs> Otherwise, you're going to miss out on the fullness of the experience. Right. And you, all of us are an age like, girl, don't miss out. Enjoy every bit of it. Yes, it will go. But right now it's here, so enjoy it. All right. Because someday, well, the, the hardest part of this, there were hard parts of watching my dad get older, watching him fail, watching him die, all that. The hardest part was watching my mother kiss him goodbye for the last time. Yeah. As they took his body away. Yes. Because we know that somebody's going to be that one. Right. Yeah, yeah. So enjoy, enjoy him while he's here. All right. Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Here comes Jim, I can tell. Hey, Flint. I just don't see your face, but I hear you. Um, I'm gonna try something. Pull myself closer to uh, to the router. There you go. Now we see you walking. <laughs> so while I walk here, move outside. And your porch. So, um, holding space for a number of people who have been really ill for about the last six months, and um, which I'm happy to do. It they, wasn't something I chose, but it was something that came to me. And I guess what is challenging, my challenge right now is dealing with the angst of holding their fear. Being part of it. I can't do anything about it, but be there, but, uh, um, welcome to my world. Huh? Welcome to my world. Yeah. I was going to say you're in my thoughts a lot in relationship with that. I hope you sleep better than I've been sleeping. I slept really well last night, but yeah, all I'm saying is, um, when we're in that position where a lot of people are coming to us and asking us to hold things with them. Right a certain kind of uh, gift and a certain kind of challenge. Either way, it's uh, a curriculum to walk, see what we learn from it. Um, I'm, I'm more accustomed to it. It's my job. <laughs> There's a, just as so a- So I guess the helpful hint would be, uh, from you, I would hope would be uh, dealing with the angst that comes with it. I, I do standing, I do my sitting, I do 
all of that. I do my breathing and still. Uh, it's why wouldn't you feel an impact? It's normal. It's normal to feel the impact. Yeah. It's what you do with it. If you didn't feel it, I would worry about I, you. I'd be, <laughs> yeah, I'd be worried too. Uh, it's, it's whether do you make it worse by either judging yourself or elaborating it, or you just let yourself ride the waves like you do in a form, you know? Yeah. I guess uh, it's just been very intense recently. Yeah. And, and I know it's been intense for you recently and for those kinds of reasons. Uh, let yourself like you know, talk to Robin, talk to other friends. Just, just talk about it. A lot of times it will help with this kind of thing because we need to speak these things. Because in a way you're already grieving, you're doing anticipatory grief. It's already moving. Yeah. Even before people are gone, it's starting. And just like in grief, we have to tell the stories over and over and over, it seems, until we don't. Take in love everywhere you can find it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do that as much as possible. Uh, I guess the, the, the only thing that uh, is hard for me to deal with is uh, the anxiety and the fear that comes up in the middle of the night in your dreams and it's stuff that you have no, not that you have control of any of this, but oh, I understand it comes from a deeper place. Yeah. And most of that from a lot of us, I don't know if this is right for you is a way in which it stirs our own fear of our own death. Ah, yes. In the middle of the night, that's what's usually coming no matter what it's form. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that. But that's the other piece to look at. Yeah. And the second arrow of feeling like, uh, I'm not the one that's actually in pain in the sense, or it, it's a false, it's a false story, but it's the story that I, you know, will tell myself. Is, Jim, you've practiced long enough to step back and be of service to another. Right. And also at the same time, no, there's no separation. So it is your pain. Yeah. And both things are true. Both things are true. Yeah. And also before we go looking at your shirt, I just have to say my dad's 1972 T-top Stingray was his pride and joy until it wasn't, until he couldn't get out of it anymore. Oh. Well, I hope it found a, a new life also. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Did you get Sylvia back? I don't know if she came back again or not. We're about at the end, but I know she dropped off, so I thought I might.
check in. Hello. There she oh is. Oh my God, it came on. Yes, it uh, did. Hi, Sylvia. I, I didn't believe that it was going to come on. Yeah, I noticed you had technical difficulties, and so we're close to the end of our time, but I don't want to miss out seeing you. Oh, thank you. I didn't want to miss seeing you either. No. Uh, it's been a grand inquiry. Mm. I think I relate to the clay Buddha because I am uh, awash with water, as you can see all the time. Yeah, yeah. This comes unexpectedly. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but I'm fine, really. Yeah. And I thank you so much for this inquiry. Are, are you going to keep doing them? Yeah, I, for now, as long as Appamata is not open um, for foot traffic business, we might as well keep doing this. And so that means certainly through May, probably through June, we'll see. Thank you. Thank you. I will. I will. If the, if the tech gods let me. <laughs> yes, of course. I'll, I'll be here whether you see me or not. Thank you. Good. Good. Thank you. And it looks like we are probably going to have to end since we're just a minute past our, our closing time. Um, thank you so much, everyone who's been here, who's contributed both by coming online and those who contribute mightily by holding the space. It's really important. Um, and we'll um, go ahead and end. I believe the coordinator might have something uh, else, but let's, let's say the four practice principles one time before we, we end. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Hope to see you next week. Thank you, Flint. Thank you all for joining today um, for this beautiful and potent inquiry. I wanted to share um, the Appamata website with you. Maybe you can see my screen here. And just bring up this beautiful um, message that um, Peg has written about contributions, and I name. I mostly wanted to uh, just read this this beautiful sentence here. Generosity is a fundamentally relational activity. It cannot be practiced alone. It establishes connections that are conduits for energy, imagination, care, appreciation, support, encouragement, and attention. And I feel that that's what we all uh, have enjoyed about inquiry today. So just to show you that the Appamata website, the contribute page, 
uh, is where you can make contributions. And then if you want to make specific Donna for teachers, uh, that's here on the right. So thank you all very much for your time and your generosity. See you next week.